The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, well, I think this might be the earliest I've ever recorded, actually. Uh, But it is well worth it to uh, accommodate this guest who has been uh, an intrepid road warrior of late. But glad we're getting a chance to sit down with Mark Stein. How are you? I feel for you, man, because this is early for me, and you're two hours ahead of me, <laughs> two hours behind me on the West Coast. Apologies. All right, my, well, apologies that my schedule is so uh, crazy. Well, the the good news is I have an excuse uh, of being a little punchy for the stupid stuff that I probably would have just said normally anyway. So uh, we'll see. If, we'll see. If, we'll see if the for... audience lets you off the hook, Daddy. <laughs> my guess is not. <laughs> we, we have a forgiving audience. I mean, we, it's it's surprising actually. We've made so many errors over the course of you know almost 600 episodes now you do too many shows that's error number one five shows a week guarantees that you're gonna make mistakes. well uh, the good news is though like uh, my in-game tweeting if i make a mistake it's one of just like 40 tweets so you know it doesn't it doesn't get as much attention uh thankfully but uh so let's get started we uh, we talked uh, about a week ago of like s- some things to come up with and i was like yeah you know there's not that much news uh after the all-star break but we actually came up with with a a bunch of stuff and where i wanted to start here is the derrick rose era in chicago you were at the forefront i think you might have been the first to report uh that that was likely and then you know it looked like he wasn't going to go there in fact glenn taylor said no we don't have any plans to add anyone and then lo and behold the timing was a little odd a month after uh he was initially traded and waived derrick rose is now in minnesota how did that saga evolve it was odd i i think it it's fair to say that Tom Thibodeau had great interest in bringing him in from the start. I reported on trade deadline day that when he was dealt to Utah and waived that Minnesota would try to sign him. And, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that Tom wanted to. I don't know that there was organal, organizational consensus on that one, I guess we could say. Uh, Glenn Taylor right. came out and, you know, why Glenn Taylor is talking about personnel, I really I really don't know. But he does tend to do that. He'll grant interviews once. <laughs> in a while and all of a sudden decide that he has all the answers. And I think it was pretty clear when you listened to, to Glenn that he had, I don't know, some sort of reservation about it. But it became a deal where Minnesota just, the injuries started stacking up and they needed a guard. And, you know, the Timberwolves jokes are always going to be out there. And Tom takes his fair share of stick, as the English would say, about it. But, you know, they needed a guard. And when you look at who's out there on the free agent market, I don't think it's any surprise that that's who Minnesota went. Yeah, I, I, 
I mean, it's not a surprise in the sense that, you know, it fits into Tibbs' pattern, both a, a bull and someone who uh, creates a lot of shots, if if not necessarily efficiently, and someone else who is potentially going to take shots out of the hands of Carl Anthony Towns, who, uh, you know, has just been unbelievable these past few games now that they've actually started giving him the ball. Um, but Rose, in his first game, a disastrous stint, negative 17 in seven minutes, a, a stint that almost ended up costing the game. And then in his second game in Washington, it does what he'll do a lot of times where he's he's either he's got like go create for Derrick Rose mode or he's got what he considers to be true point guard mode, which is kind of just stand around it and, and throw passes and not really do anything, which is a little bit more what we saw. But th- that at least didn't actively hurt the team against Washington. But, you know, you mentioned Taylor. I mean, do you think that there is any kind of a, a, a disconnect there? Like, how do we get from the owner saying, hey, we're not going to sign this guy to them signing him a, a month later after this weird delay? Yeah, there... I, don't, I don't think there's yeah. a I don't think there's a grand disconnect. I mean, look, the Wolves have done really well this season and they've been out of the playoffs for 13 years. They're playing without Butler now. They're still going to get in barring some sort of crazy collapse. Uh, you know, they've picked up a couple big wins here recently, which they needed to kind of get through this period. I think Butler's back before the end of the season. And, you know, I, I would like to, th- I mean, I think, I think Tom has done a really good job with a team that hasn't won in more than a decade. And I, I kind of think when, when Butler gets back, the focus is going to return more to, wow, we're actually in the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. So, uh, I, you know, I, I put it down more to, more to Taylor's, I don't know if wackiness is the right word, but I, I've always found yeah. it, you know, throughout his ownership tenure, I've, you know, he, he's had me scratching my head on, on many occasions. There were a lot of times I didn't think he was decisive enough. You know, I've, I, I, I let me just, uh, I guess, politely say I've never been a huge fan of his, his ownership style. So why he's even giving interviews and talking about personnel like that is just, that's, that's the weird part to me. So one thing that, that we didn't talk about, but just the, the, some very light rumblings yesterday, the, uh, Darren Wolfson out of there on, on the radio said basically that he heard third teammates that Andrew Wiggins isn't that happy being a third option, which led Danny and, and me to joke that he's lucky he's not the fourth option when you got Jimmy Butler and Carl Towns and, and Wiggins hasn't been particularly efficient this year. And they've got another creator in Jeff Teague. Just, I mean, maybe not even necessarily thinking anything that you heard, but just kind of thinking about it. Do you think that Andrew Wiggins, you know, a couple of years from now is on this team? Do you think that there's a chance that they might move on from him given how he's played this year? And, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that he has. I think that makes, you know, I think that's something that people will be looking at. And I think other teams will be will be coming after him because he's at best going to be the third option if you're playing with Butler in town. So I think it's only natural that, you know, whether he's unhappy, content, whether that's all overstated. Look, Darren Wolfson is there in Minnesota. He, you know, I'm sure he has a better feel than you you or I for, for what's happening with that team on a daily basis. So I, I think, I don't think there's any question that, you know, Wiggins is going to, Wiggins' future is going to be talked about. He's under contract now. So, you know, it's a big number, but for some teams that appeals, you know, that to, to be able to get a guy with when when there is contract certainty and you know you got him, there w- there will be teams that want to trade for that. So I don't think there's any question that we're going to hear his name come up again and again. Yeah, unless it's really unless they yeah. unless something happens in the playoffs where they click and really you know it all works. But I mean, I mean, you don't you? I mean, can you see him being better than the third option with those other two guys? I not I don't. Uh, I don't either. Although you know, maybe three years from now or. or maybe he's still kind of insurance if 
they move on from butler they can't agree on a full max contract for him if perhaps in part because of the enormous contract that they gave him they feel they can't afford uh wiggins butler and towns which you know they're gonna be facing a luxury tax crunch starting in the summer of 2019 with new contracts for both butler and towns uh, on the horizon so maybe they'll feel like you know we just we lost jimmy butler we couldn't offer him the contract they better, he wanted. Hey, they better work yeah. it out with jimmy butler i mean he's, he's <laughs> you know, he, he's changed the culture there i mean towns yeah. is you know look towns is fantastic and he is on team unicorn for sure when we you know there's so many of these amazing seven footers that it, it's hard to keep track of them and every time i try to reel them off i always leave one out because i'm getting old and my memory's starting to go and i can't remember i mean he's he is a he is he is first team all unicorn but butler is really i think changed the dynamic there and you you, you cannot let him go they better work whatever needs to be worked out work it out yeah no I, and maybe that could be part of what leads to this wiggins trade as well and i think wiggins is a guy with his athleticism who you know and, and is young enough you think there's always going to be at least a market for them to get off of that contract in a neutral way you know i don't see them unless he gets hurt having to give up assets and that's the one thing in his favor is his durability and i think he's a guy away for a, a downtrodden team if they were to acquire him to at least sell some hope for the fans so i, I would expect uh, although i think he has not been that positive a player this year and, and is going to be wildly overpaid unless he makes some very significant improvements uh you know i think he's always going to have his fans at least for uh, a couple more years um uh, all right let's take a quick break here and then we got lots more to, to get to here with mark stein right after this by the time you listen to it the tournament will be well underway you never know what's going to happen with all these games but you better be ready if you're having people over and make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime swing by walmart before every round stock up on coca-cola coke zero sugar and powerade especially powerade zero which is my personal favorite i drink a lot of those whenever we go skiing because you need to hydrate in the high altitude coca-cola is the official fan refreshment of the ncaa so be ready to watch all the games by picking up coca-cola and powerade all tourney long back when i was laura i would actually take off the first thursday and friday of march madness to watch all the games definitely want to stay hydrated if you're having an adult beverage or two while you're watching said games and ncaa march madness isn't just one game you've got the whole tournament you better be ready refresh every round by heading to walmart to pick up coca-cola coke zero sugar and powerade so we have had a, a lot more news one of the things that's really uh, surprised me actually i said we have a lot of news but there's a, a little bit of a lack of news the last time we talked we thought the buyout market was going to be pretty hot we did end up seeing marco bellinelli ursan Ilyasova both end up uh, on the sixers which i think it has helped them to get some additional shooting off the bench but we didn't see guys like maybe a brook lopez who i actually just watched play in person last night for the lakers has been good in this run lately uh maybe asked to be bought out why do you think it was that we didn't see maybe as much movement uh from buyout guys as might have been expected this year i thought there are some obvious candidates who you know just elected to stay with their teams even though they're yeah, out of it it was a disappointment i think because i mean i certainly thought that wow trade deadlines earlier it leaves three weeks of runway for buyout guys and clearly teams have a need starting with your local squad the warriors i mean even before this injury crisis golden state was hoping to make an addition in the buyout market i think early in the season you looked at the warriors and you said you know they've this is a this their bench is better they're more dynamic than they were nick young caspi you know they've got some interesting ways to go off the bench and as the season's gone on it hasn't played out that way and i think the even 
the Warriors feel as though they could use at least one more scorer off the bench, some more punch off the bench. The Warriors weren't able to find anyone in the buyout market. The Raptors weren't able to find anyone in the buyout market. Ditto for the Cavs. It just, there weren't that many players available. And, uh, you know, now with what's going on in Golden State, with with all these injuries, I, I think they feel it even more. And look, even Houston, who we thought did fantastic in the buyout market, uh, you know, Joe Johnson's gotten off to a very slow start there. And, you know, will Joe Johnson and, and Brandon Wright ultimately make a contribution? We'll see. And, and you know, I think the buyout market in general, we, you know, in our jobs get excited about it because it's almost like, I mean, it's maybe like a, not quite a second trade deadline, but it's just, an, you know, the March 1st date for guys to be waived is always something that gets us excited, but just because it gives us another kind of transactional thing to focus on. But yeah, you didn't have the Brooke Lopez's of the world or the or the Contavious Caldwell Pope's pushing to to get out of their current situations. Uh, you know, Nerland's Noel in Dallas. I think people thought he'd, he'd be a guy to try to pursue a buyout if he didn't get traded. And now he's back on the court for the Mavs. So I don't, I don't exactly, I can't really pinpoint exactly why it wasn't as robust as we were hoping. All I do know is that there were multiple contenders out there who wanted to do something and couldn't. But then I think we also have to ask, does, do we overrate the buyout market? How, I mean, how often do the buyout guys really make a difference? I think if a buyout guy maybe wins you one game in the playoffs, you're probably happy. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, P.J. Braun is the classic example on that 08 Celtics hitting a couple of jumpers late to win that game seven in uh, in 2008 over, over the Cavs. Uh, he was instrumental there. But yeah, you'd be hard-pressed maybe to find, you know, the, the Warriors got Matt Barnes last year. He didn't really contribute in the playoffs, but I thought he was helpful in that late season run that they went on when it was that's actually... The kind of, yeah. That's the kind of wildness we enjoy at the yeah. at the buyout market when the, the Warriors <laughs> commit to Jose Calderon and then an injury comes up and then they have to reverse course. I mean, it was awful for Calderon. Was, you know, Jose Calderon is one of the most liked human beings that I've ever encountered in, in all my time covering the league. And, you know, that was awful for him. Here he thinks he's going to end up with a championship team and the Warriors, because of an injury, have to turn around and say, no, we're we're signing a small forward instead. Um, yeah, he did get we, like we, an we, extra 500K for his trouble or something. Like that. I mean, they signed him to the rest of the season contract and then immediately waived him. So he, he got a, at least got something, it seemed like. Uh, although I'm sure he had to give up a little with the Lakers. How much exactly escapes me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you let, mentioned let's, the let's, Raptors. Let's, yeah, let's, go ahead. let's ask our friends on Twitter. Let's We need to come up with the all, what's the all buyout team? It's way too early for both of us to think of that off the top of their heads. Oh, Send man. in your tweets. Tell us, help us, <laughs> help us, comp- PJ Brown's the captain. Help us compile the all buyout. Team. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm uh, I mean, and the Sixers really remade their whole bench, I, I think, which they just so desperately needed some shooting. So that, those guys could maybe help them out. We'll see where. And Bellinelli, where Bellinelli's, ex- Bellinelli's excellent. And, and he's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I think it's safe to say that, that Golden State, that's a guy that, that would have helped them, but he deemed Philly a better situation. Look, Marco Bellinelli's going to be a free agent and these guys want to play. They don't want to, you know, they don't necessarily want to go somewhere where they might might play a game and sit out three. I mean, in Philadelphia, Marco Bellinelli is going to get a chance. Another place I wanted to talk about here is Charlotte, who is really, you know, was really in the news late January with uh, the potential for Kemba Walker to be traded. Then Michael Jordan comes out and says, no, you know what? He's not going to be traded. Perhaps it's not a coincidence that shortly thereafter, the 
uh rich cho it was reported that he will not return uh, to the team with the expiration of his contract uh, this summer uh, let's start there uh, why do you think they are moving on uh, from rich cho did it have anything to do with this walker thing was it the overall performance was it you know, just not getting along with michael jordan like what do you think it was well the timing is i don't have an explanation for the timing because uh, you know rich was in the last year of his deal why they decided to do it now in march midstream is just weird i don't know if it's speaking did they just react to the fact that that people were connecting the dots and it leaked that you know he wouldn't be back he wouldn't be retained at season end um i i mean look the 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 hornets it is a mess right now so the fact that they would make a change isn't terribly surprising um but you know the fact that you know mitch kupchak has emerged as the number one choice um, i covered mitch for a long long time in los angeles and i know he he badly wants another opportunity the way things ended with the lakers was messy to say the least but yeah how much do you put how much of that do you put on him how much do you put on on uh, jim bus I mean, you you have to. I mean, he he has to be culpable for some of it, uh, and I you know you could understand why the Lakers would want to make a dramatic reset. I mean, they're in the worst run that they've ever had as a franchise. Yeah. So I mean, n- you know, nobody nobody is guaranteed a job forever. Mitch was with the franchise for a long, long time, and I'm sure he would tell you that you know he does have to take some of the, some of the blame there. But I mean, he you know he didn't have the ultimate say. I mean, kind of the power structure was always murky when with with Jim Buss around, but the fact just it's more to me the fact that you know the fact that Jordan is already linked with him because the whole North Carolina thing I mean if if they do if they end up doing a broader search you know I think that would look a lot better if it's just handed to Mitch Kupchak people are gonna be up in arms about that thinking why is Michael just going with his North Carolina buddy but yeah we we, yeah I I wrote I wrote about this in in a recent newsletter because a Hornets I think was a Hornets fan asked why aren't the Hornets considering Sam Hinkie and to me they're they're a class they are a franchise that really needs an out of the box thinker like Sam. I don't I don't know if they could get Sam because yeah. I think Yeah, I think the, their box gonna... is pretty small too. I mean, it's, it's North Carolina and like Jordan Cronies basically. Although I guess to me that's not fair to to uh to Cho who who was, you know, someone who who had a fairly forward reputation when he was hired by them uh 8 years ago. It's amazing to think that, that it was that long ago, but uh yeah, I mean you're saying about Sam though. Yeah, just I mean Sam from everything I know about Sam, and I think he's he's basically said as much by now, uh, he's going to be selective. He's not just going to jump back in. Uh, and I don't even, you know, I have no evidence to suggest that, that Charlotte would even consider him. But I don't know. I, you know, to me, I just, I, I think, I, I hope Sam gets back in the league. I think it's it's a better league when he's in it. And, you know, obviously things did not end in Philadelphia the way he wanted to. And, and I would like to see Charlotte do something bold like that and, and, and just try to go in a completely different direction than they've been because you know all those tough roster choices that we talked about the last time we got together there's there you know nothing's changed they're still facing all of them yeah it's uh it's not fantastic uh, hinky to charlotte would be a, a huge surprise to me i mean you mentioned that they want someone outside the box and i think for sam you know while it ended poorly in philadelphia perhaps in part because ownership blanched a, a little bit in part because of the optics of some of the stuff maybe with Jaleel Okafor, for example... Uh, the optics of say that Michael Carter Williams trade even though that turned out to be a fantastic trade from the, the moment it was made you know just like oh my god he's taking again we you trained away even this one guy we experienced all this pain to get and blah blah um 
when he went in it was a great situation for him right i mean he had completely convinced the owners to follow his plan they built this whole new practice facility that he deserves a ton of credit for and to the point where like espn's writing articles on how awesome their food is there and stuff like that although i, I forgot how much exactly the colangelos uh have contributed to that as well given uh i, I know brian colangelo has pretty good taste in restaurants <laughs> he might be part of that too but uh yeah it doesn't seem like that's the organization that's gonna get sam hink i mean who do you think might be if we think of maybe the gm openings that could come available in the next year or so that might be willing to take a chance on hinky given how divisive he was in his first step yeah the thing is it's like he's not a divisive person if you know him he's no it's just that that's no it's just his public perception right and you know look he's gonna have to change that somehow if he wants to come back and look he he, you know he made mistakes too and some of those picks did you know did not work out clearly so it's not like he in retrospect respect is seen as this untouchable genius who everything he tried in philly worked yeah well well, he would tell you that the whole point of his strategy is knowing that not every one of those picks is going to work out yeah i mean and that's that's the uncertainty with with the modern day draft that even if you have multiple top five picks there that doesn't guarantee you anything either i mean it might take four to make four to make two or three to make two so i i don't i don't know who is going to be the team that goes for him you know sacramento showed interest a year ago year and a half ago sacramento showed some real interest and uh you know there were some talks didn't go anywhere i i don't you know that is such a volatile situation sacramento that i don't get the vibe that that they really had any chance of convincing sam that that was the place to launch his comeback but somebody somebody will step up and somebody will say this guy should be brought back into the league i i don't subscribe to the theory that says we will never see him as a gm again but it's hard in this conversation to say yes i think team x that's that 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 hasn't made itself clear yet yeah you know and some of the teams that you might have felt hey people could be in trouble uh for example the pelicans looks like they're going to make the playoffs now you know they'll they'll probably be you know that maybe that earns dell dumps uh, some more time especially since it hasn't been the most proactive ownership situation there in terms of moving on from the front office i mean dell's been fighting for his job since the day he got it it, it really seems like you know there aren't necessarily i mean maybe memphis you know especially if the the new ownership takes over there uh have you heard anything on that by the way of like what's what's going on with the the steve kaplan like uh you know uh i I forget what like the term of art is for the uh i think it's a buy sell provision yes yes thank you you. it it hasn't uh we're waiting for the outcome to see i mean obviously if there's new ownership i think there there would be sweeping change there if robert para was no longer owner of the team if robert para stays owner of the team it's much harder to predict what they'll do because i think he's so unpredictable and you know another owner that's just leaves you scratching your head time and time again so i yeah, you know chances ahead. are we'll see you know chances are we'll see a, a you know a gm change or two in the offseason but after the coaching quiet that we had last offseason with no changes which was basically unprecedented the focus is the focus when the season ends is going to be on coaching change because there are going to be three four five six how many ever there's you know we're, we're gonna see some act what do you make of these recent comments by tom gores in detroit that uh stan van gundy is a team player and we're evaluating things what do you make of that i think that's everyone in the league is kind of looking at detroit and saying how broad will the change be i mean they're they're gonna miss the playoffs the blake griffin gamble to this point has not worked you have to assume that that at the least stan van gundy will lose his front office power i think i reported about a month ago that you know the rumblings are out there that aren't tell him the longtime power agent who's been running 
running the business side with Detroit for the last two, three years, that he would take over the basketball side of things. I mean, those rumblings are even louder now. So, uh, you know, will it will it become a full-blown coaching change? I mean, certainly if you're Stan Van Gundy and you read those Tom Gore's quotes, there doesn't seem to be a lot of optimism there that, that Stan's going to be retained. But by the same token, you know, Stan has said over and over that this is his last stop. If he loses his job, he'll be fine. Come find me on my lake. And, <laughs> you know, Stan's a different cat. I, I, I don't think that's just talk. I, I think they, I think I think he would be fine if he think he would be fine if he uh, if they tell him, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. And let's face it. I mean, that the Pistons are a disappointment this season. There's no way around. It. I mean, they, you know, they should be a playoff team, especially the way they started the seed. So, I, you know, there has to be changes there after what, you know, they're three years into this. Yeah. And, and really, it seems like now not that much closer to even being better, not to mention, you know, ever having a path to championship contention so we've talked about a couple owners michael michael jordan glenn taylor i want to ask you just in general because uh, danny and i for our our stitcher premium effort did uh ownership rankings a couple of weeks ago but for your money not necessarily you know who's a good owner who's a bad owner but who do you hear as being the most active owners the ones who are like all right they really have to approve things or if stuff gets taken to them it's like uh you know what i'm not going to go with that recommendation i'm going to go with my gut obviously Mark Cuban would fall into that category maybe more than anyone else but who are some of the others that you just hear more about is like all right these guys are just really active more in the day-to-day uh and maybe even you know contradicting some of their uh some of the personnel that they've hired at times it's probably easier to come up with a list who, who's less active I, mean, <laughs> I remember I remember you know I was covering the Mavs when Cuban arrived this is most years and he would constantly say to any of the media around the team I just paid 280 million for this thing and you you sports writers want me to sit on the side no way and i think almost all of the owners who've come into the league you know since mark have had that same mindset and i suppose i suppose you can't really blame them when we're talking that kind of money because you know the prices have more than quadrupled i mean every you know any team that sold that sold now would would go for over a billion so uh, you know it's easy for us on the side to say hey just sit out and let the basketball people handle it but you know owners aren't getting involved to not be involved i mean they they they, they want to, you know, it's their money, they're spending a lot of it, and they're going to be involved. And it's really the teams that can work best with their owners that, that have the most success, because that's just, it's just an unavoidable reality. Yeah, I, well, so I maybe we should answer the opposite question then, of, you know, which owners like San Antonio, San Antonio, San Antonio, sure. San Antonio's a team where, you know, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford have always been given immense leeway to run the team. Um, you know, with the Lakers, you know, I think, you know, Gene Bus is another one who's really tried to, you know, she doesn't try to insert herself into the basketball discussion. Um, she tries to let the basketball people do their thing. And that's, you know, that's that's another one where I think in retrospect, she felt like maybe she should have been more active during the Jim Bus, Mitch Kupchak during the, the you know, the la- you know their last couple of years together because things weren't going well, but she tried to stay out of it to let, to let the quote basketball people handle it and it didn't go well. And that's why she made such drastic changes. So there, you know, there there are still a few places where you know ownerships take you know really take a back seat. Yeah, U- Utah comes to mind for for sure. I think that their ownership is probably an underrated one over the years. Yeah, no question, no question. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it'll just you know we'll get to the point where there will be none because you know I think I think Mark Cuban is has been that 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 kind of became the new template. And when you think of all the different owners that have come to the league in the nearly two decades since, I mean, they're 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 like him. Well, uh, they're like him. 
perhaps in wanting to make the decisions i don't know that they're like him in the sense that they actually you know get that immersed in basketball operations the, the way he does i mean i think that all i wouldn't say all of them but many of these guys are, are really smart guys you know if they really it's but it's a question of you know you want to make the decision but you're not necessarily putting the time in it and i think for me when we talk about gms maybe one of the underrated things for a gm is can you actually convince your owner to do what you think needs to be done i mean obviously having the right ideas is great and can you help control your owner's worst impulses and just you know kind of wheedle them around a little bit convince them to say hey you know what like this is the best path or no you know we can't trade that guy or you know getting to 48 wins that's really not what's important right now you know that's that i think is an underrated aspect of being a good gm yeah no question i mean how many times do we hear about trades that collapse when the gm's uh, gm will say okay i have to take this to my own i mean that's that's always the the key step my owner won't let me do this i mean those are lines you hear all the time all right a couple more things we wanted to talk about you had a discussion uh, with anthony davis a, a couple of weeks ago uh and, and he had some interesting comments uh, about demarcus cousins uh, free agency and and what maybe a little bit even uh, about his own eventual fate in new orleans yeah i mean he says he thinks demarcus is going to stay he says he's going to be very involved and you know i've i've covered i've been around the pelicans a fair bit over the years and i've never gotten a sense of unhappiness with anthony davis i think he really sees it as his team his city he wants to bring success there i you know one of my one of the things i think is most impressive about the guy i've never you know maybe he does it in private i've never heard him once complain about our roster isn't good enough i need more help i mean he he puts it on himself and you know i think most observers would say no man i mean you 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 can't possibly do more than you do uh, but they've only made one playoff appearance in his career and he says you know he essentially told me that that's on me and i you know i think that would be a minority opinion i don't think anybody's looking at anthony davis saying he didn't do enough because the guy is again a a huge part of team unicorn but I, I i love his attitude and he's he 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 really takes ownership of what goes on there in new orleans it's just yet another reason to like that guy so when you say all right you know i i want to have success here you know what do you think the standard for that is so i mean because to me and perhaps the designated veteran extension which he is uh well on pace to qualify for here could be a factor in this because they can pay him a lot more money and they can pay it sooner obviously than could happen if he gets to free agency but for him like what is the standard of success is it you know okay we're making the playoffs consistently is it top four seed in the west is it true championship contention i mean because because at some point you know you maybe start thinking about greener pastures even if you know as you mentioned publicly he's he's had uh, this uh he's been towing the company line uh, as well as he has been look and it's the same thing with Giannis Antetokounmpo uh one of the most remarkable things about Giannis to me is how this guy from Athens has fallen in love with Milwaukee to the degree that he has you know you think of Athens as this cosmopolitan European city and you know he ends up in Milwaukee and is Mr. Milwaukee and wants to win in Milwaukee but with anyone if you know if you don't get to a championship level of course then you're going to look at your situation I mean these are you know Anthony Davis Giannis these are you know top 10 top 5 players in this league they those players need to be competing for championships so if if it doesn't happen with their current teams over a period of years whether they want to look elsewhere or not the drumbeat will be sounded for them and are other teams going to stop coming after Anthony Davis because he says how much he loves it in New Orleans absolutely not that phone is always going to ring 
ring and New Orleans can say no a hundred times and the Boston Celtics are going to think on the 101st try we're finally going to convince them so <laughs> uh, you know if those if those if, if those teams don't win I'm sure those guys will will take a look around and look let's face it you know uh, Anthony had a, Anthony Davis had a recent sit down with Rachel Nichols where you know uh, Rachel I think relayed the story about Paul Pierce saying how Garnett told him that he wished he'd push for a trade sooner and, and Anthony Davis admitted that does make you think I mean he's not gonna I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't expect him to sit there in perpetuity if the the Pelicans are a first round out or a second round team I mean eventually you gotta win well and, it, and really it, win and it's gonna be very interesting to me the designated veteran extension how much does that play in in that Giannis situation in that AD situation you know I think we would both say although it's probably too early to say for with Giannis but that neither of those teams look like they're on the path to really being in championship contention despite having you know guys who are top 10 top five players plug by the way we actually uh did our rankings of the top 10 players in the nba yesterday if you want to go go back and listen to that uh but that's gonna be such an interesting question to me of whether is that money enough to get the guys to, to stay when it wasn't before that certainly was the purpose of it maybe what we'll see is the guys agree to that extension get their money and then once they can be traded uh they ask for a trade but then your problem is you don't have the leverage to get traded where you want to go because you're under contract for five more years basically if you sign that extension you, you wait a year and then you can be traded a year after when it kicks in and you got five years left or, or four years left in the case of some of these guys um yeah they can yeah. give uh, those guys can give blake griffin a call and see how that works out yeah no exactly right like so th- there's a concern there and i mean at the levels of money that we're talking about these guys will already be coming off of max contracts uh is there a chance that they would just give a, give up that money and try and win you know how much it's an individual question and i'm not sure that getting that money earlier i mean unless it's a guy with significant injury concerns is going to make that big of a difference that's my hunch but we'll see you know each individual obviously is going to be yeah. different yeah again we're hunching here but those two guys in particular if we talk about ad and Jan, i mean they both have left a very clear impression that they want to win where they are and i think we can safely assume as safely as you can that they're going to give their current team every chance to make it work and look the pelicans the pelicans were going to be as fascinating a playoff team as there was if marcus cousins doesn't go down with the achilles injury you would have loved to see what the pelicans could do in the playoffs playing a style that nobody else plays and persisting with the two big men and that you know those two had those two figured it out pretty well but it was the group around them that started playing well now would drew holiday be able to play this well if they still had cousins out there i don't know but you know i think just you really want to see you want I, I at least i want to see cousins stay i want to see them get all these guys healthy and just see what this group's ceiling is because they're doing it differently and that's fun i want to see something different last question i want to talk about here uh, the tanking epidemic i mean it, I, I forget what the record is now the kings actually won one of these games yesterday but uh and so did orlando uh, at home against the bucks uh, and and uh the kings uh, against the heat last night although they almost blew a 10 point lead in the last five minutes of the game but the tanking eight uh, they really uh unless they're playing each other seem to have very little chance of, of winning games the bulls have been chastised now the mavs have been fined six hundred dollars for or six hundred thousand dollars for mark cuban uh, acknowledging uh, that tanking would be better uh, for the franchise they're changing the lottery rules next year it's just uh, what are your thoughts what, what are you hearing about now this uh, epidemic that people complain about but may in fact still uh, be necessary to the operation of the league to give bad franchise 
franchise's hope. It's it's so complicated. And look, the league really clearly just hates hearing about it. They're going to hate that we're talking about it. They just, the word just makes them so uncomfortable. You know, I don't, I think there is a segment of fans that aren't bothered by it at all. But the problem in the NBA is you almost have two sets of fans for every team. You have the diehards who listen to knuckleheads like us go on for 45 minutes and just cannot get enough. And those fans, if they're a fan of one of the eight teams, or should we should we stretch it to nine now with where the Knicks are, they want their teams to lose. They want to get as high in the lottery as they can, but that's, that's often a different crowd from the crowd that's going to the game because NBA tickets are expensive and teams are trying to bring in, you know, they're trying to sell tickets that, what do they average, a hundred bucks or more now for an average ticket. I've, I've lost track of what the average NBA ticket costs. So, you know, that's that's almost like a different fan base that you're you're working on because so many diehards can't even afford, you know, college kids or whatever can't, can't afford to go to NBA games. So teams have subsets of their own fans that they're trying to please, the ones that want to be entertained, the ones that, you know, scream at their team when they win and are furious with their team when they win. You know, I'm sure you 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 interact with with those kind of fans on Twitter. I mean, there's 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 lots of people out there who want their you know Mavericks fans that want their team to lose every game from here on out. That's just you know fans are smart. They 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 know. And then it's interesting in Dallas because you've got Harrison Barnes and Dirk Nowitzki coming out and saying you know losing on purpose is terrible. It's a bad culture. You can't just expect to lose for two three years and then, and and expect the guys who are doing the losing not to be affected. And that's totally true. But the reality is that getting a top three pick is so potentially good for these teams i mean look at philly like if if that if their success this year can't put to bed this like culture argument against tanking like i'm not sure what's going to but i think part of it is that Embiid and you know simmons missed his whole first season and Embiid wasn't on the floor so much so so in their case the two best players they weren't part of they i mean they were you know they were part of it but not really as they didn't as acutely feel the losing yeah Um, i don't know if it puts the i don't know if it puts the culture argument to bed because yeah well but but they got like a rob covington and a tj mcconnell i mean those i think like if you get guys who have even in the tanking process if you get guys who have good character who are gonna play hard you know i'm not sure that that's gonna go away uh uh, over the course of of a couple of years uh i mean you're you're able to kind of churn through the roster and find the guys who are willing to play hard and can keep your culture good even if you're losing perhaps that would be my counter argument there i mean the reality is this is basketball and one guy can make such a difference yeah in this sport that t- the, the incentive to tank is always going to be there and i can only speak for myself i don't think the system has been that bad because if you if teams want to tank you only have a 25 percent chance of getting the first pick that's going to go down next season so there are plenty of risks for the tanking teams with the system the way it is it's it, it's really the perception that that bothers the league and, and you know the suggestion that it cuts through the integrity of the game and it, it it's such a complicated mess and it's so hard to fix and that's why there's been no fix because it's you know it's you know the one and done rule everyone's focused on that and lasered in on that and even on the on the college side of the game it seems to me now like they want cha- you know change is going to happen there you know everybody sees that the system has major major issues and everybody's kind of invested in trying to fix it and the tanking issue is it way more complicated me yeah and you know i think the the league uh, wrongly in my opinion they seem more concerned with the idea of like multiple season tanking kind of like what philly did and you know the bulls kind of are on that path a little bit the hawks kind of are 
are on that path a little bit um you know in terms of their moves from the start of the year you know i thought phoenix maybe thought they'd be a little bit better maybe orlando thought they'd be a little bit better dallas maybe who who knows but uh it seems like the league's more concerned about that whereas what's more insidious to me is just like teams kind of all right we're, we're gonna dennis shooters in the middle of a 20 point game here in the third quarter and oh we better sit him down because we're playing the suns and we can't afford to lose them you know that's the type of stuff that really kind of kind of gets me a, a little bit but uh it's i think in general you're right you know especially on a one season basis it, it doesn't really end up mattering that much you know i mean you're you're just you know for a 25 percent or an 18 percent chance i agree with you it, it's smart to lose but you know it doesn't always work out for you either i mean just look at how bad the, the right, suns the, last the, year the system the system will punish the system punishes these teams plenty like if that's the path a team wants to take okay go ahead and take it but you're not guaranteed you know you're not guaranteed anything there's a 75 percent chance you're not going to get the pick you want so go ahead and do it but the league the league clearly doesn't feel that way and you know the, the perception bothers them greatly more and more and more every year so it's you know one and done tanking playoff seating i mean those are those are issues that are just going to keep coming up but to me i think the focus is going to be much more on the one and done and the tanking i think the league sees those as, as much bigger problems than trying to change the playoff seed for that yeah and I, I would love to talk to you more about uh, one and done and what really the try to put something a little more concrete on what these proposals are out there because i thought some of the comments lately have been pretty illuminating but we are out of time we'll save that uh, for your next run here we uh, appreciate it uh mark stein of the new york times coming on as always at uh this this early moment for uh in the day for us nba types uh, hopefully we managed to muddle through well enough here though so we will uh talk to you all next time till then Thanks to Coca-Cola and Powerade for sponsoring today's program. During this time of year, NCAA March Madness. You know you're going to be sitting there watching the games. Even if you're not taking off Thursday and Friday, you're definitely going to be home watching them at night and all day Saturday and Sunday. Swing by Walmart before every round and stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. Before the next game tips off, NCAA March Madness isn't just one game. It's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart. Pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.